But what, what a beautiful celebration, don't you think? Easter does something to us, doesn't it? It changes our perspective. It gives us a new set of eyes. We th- see things in, in a light-filled, lifelike way. And there's a reason for that. As a matter of fact, that might be the question of the day. What does all of this mean? What's the meaning of this great celebration? Besides music and, and song, what does it mean? I want to remind you of something that you just heard a few moments ago. Actually, when the disciples first encountered the resurrection, it was their question too. Or to put it differently, when Peter heard from the women what he thought sounded like nonsense, he went away, the text says, wondering what all this meant. What happened shortly after that, in successive measure, is that Peter and the other disciples were awakened to the reality of what it meant. Their hearts were enlightened by faith. And they begin to understand. We also need to remind ourselves, it dawned on them in stages, not just all at once. I hope that today, this story, that all of you know so well, will open up the eyes of your heart in a new way. That in these next few moments, you will discover something about the grandeur of this day that never dawned on you before. As a matter of fact, I want to do something I don't think I've ever done. I want to interrupt my sermon before I start and pray that that will happen. Lord, We thank you for this beautiful celebration. It is hard to lose faith in this grand place. But Lord, it's easy on a day of celebration like this to gloss over the reality of what happened even though we believe it. To say we understand it because we do Yet it's common. It happens every year. So today, Lord, in the next few moments, as as we continue our worship, we pray that you will enlighten our hearts by faith. You will give us insights into the meaning of this wonderful day that will transform us. Those of us who believe and transform those who are yet to believe. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. My sermon has three main points. It's an answer to the question that I ask. What does this all mean? The first thing it means, Christ really was raised from the dead. He was dead as anyone dies. And his body was raised again. You know, that fact has been disputed throughout history. 
You know that as well as I do. But it's really beyond dispute, if looked at carefully, except if you're a skeptic, except if you wish not to believe. If you wish to believe, there's more than enough evidence that Christ really rose from the dead. It's at the center of our faith. Some years ago, there was a debate between two scholars. One was William Lane Craig, and the other was Marcus Borg. And Marcus Borg argued that the resurrection of Jesus Christ never really happened physically. That it really didn't occur, but that in effect, it didn't matter. Let me quote his words. I see Easter very differently, he said. For me, it's irrelevant whether the tomb was empty, whether Easter involves something remarkable happening in the human body of Jesus is irrelevant. My argument is not that we know the tomb, the empty tomb, was not empty or that nothing happened to his body, but simply that it doesn't matter. The true meaning of Easter as I see it is not at stake in this issue at all. May I say this? I am absolutely bewildered by that comment. I'm not surprised. I studied with New Testament scholars at Yale University who had the same perspective. I was bewildered then, and I'm bewildered now. Because everything, everything about the history of the Christian tradition says that Christ literally rose from the dead and our faith is living and active on that bedrock of historical reality. I am going to do my best. I promise I won't. I will resist the urge to engage in that argument because you know I would love to. Instead, I'm just going to lay down right beside Marcus Borg the words of the Apostle Paul. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But if He did not raise Him, in fact, the dead are not raised. If He did not raise Him, we have no hope. Your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are all, above all people, most pitiful. But Christ indeed has been raised. And He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man also. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. My friends, you right now 
are celebrating the grandest event in the history of humanity. The most central event in the history of humanity. The reality of humanity's life is grounded in this event. Because God and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And if this so-called historical event is not true, it's the greatest hoax that's ever been put on humanity. It's worse than an April Fool's joke. It's a cruel hoax. Because untold millions of people have persecuted, been persecuted, because they believed in Christ's resurrection. And tens of thousands more have been martyred because they refused to say Christ did not rise again. It's at the core of our faith. It's central to everything. Not only does the resurrection mean it happened historically, that's the nature of Easter. The Easter message is also that the resurrection infuses those who believe with new life. It's not just a historical event. You know, as controversial as that may be, as debated as that may be, that's not the crux of the issue for those who follow Christ. The crux of the issue for those who follow Christ is because Christ was raised, we now are infused with newness of life. Because Christ was raised, we too will be raised. Because Christ was raised, we live and breathe and have our very being in Jesus Christ. The resurrection is like a blood transfusion for a patient who's about to die and cannot live without it. The resurrection is like life in new bones. The resurrection is like old becoming new. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the infusion of Almighty God into our beings by faith. That is amazing, my friends. And that's what it means. And that's why we celebrate to put it in the words of Paul. He knows this. He preaches it. He says it over and over again. And on one occasion, he breaks out in what could be called something like a doxology. He says, I pray. I wish he was here to pray. But you know what? Jesus is praying. Paul says, I pray. That the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may not know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Paul says, I, I pray, as we just prayed, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. And you will understand the depth of the power of God at work within you. 
There's a third thing Easter means. It not only means the historical resurrection of Christ, it not only means that you're infused with new life. The third thing I want to emphasize that Easter means is eternal life. Eternal life. Of course, it begins now, but it never ends. It begins now, and we look to a future when everything will be made new. Life is a wonderful thing. We love life. I know some of you have suffered great loss just this year. The loss of somebody very dear to you. And some of you, years past, and still you mourn, you grieve, you cry. You know why life, you know why death is such a great loss? It's such a great loss because life is so real. It's such a great loss because we were not meant to die. It's such a great loss because it's not the way things are supposed to be. That's why it's such a great loss. And eternal life pronounces a new reality on all of life and says life will not end in Jesus Christ. Those who believe in Him will live again. He promises that He's gone to prepare a place for us. And He'll come back and receive us to Himself. That where He is, we also may be. But you know, my friends, eternal life is not automatic. Death is. Eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Only through Christ is life infused into bodies that otherwise will die. I want to remind you of something that probably you already have picked up on. Do you know the first point that I made? The resurrection is a historical reality. That point is true whether you believe it or not. You can be a skeptic, it's still true. You can mock at it, it doesn't change its reality. You can say, I do not believe in it, it does not change anything. Christ rose from the dead. But the last two, the last two, they're not automatic. They're not automatically true. The second is that God, through the resurrection, infuses life into dead people. The third is that God, through the resurrection, gives eternal life to new people. Those two come not automatically, but only by faith and by hope and by love. You can believe the first intellectually and not receive the second and the third in your heart by faith. It was a very, very famous painter. I'm not an art historian, and I don't speak French, so I'm pretty sure I'll mispronounce this name, and somebody after the service is going to correct me, but no matter. The famous French artist is Gustave Doré. 
Gustave Doré had a student who came to him once and the student had painted an image of Jesus. And he wanted to know what his master painter thought of it. And Gustav looked at it for a very long time without saying a word. And then he looked at his student and he said, you don't love him. Or you would have painted him better. Wow. That must have gone to the heart. You don't love him. Or you would have painted him better. You might know that Jesus rose. But if you don't love him, if you don't fall down on your knees and worship to him, you do not have his eternal life. The last thing I want to mention is that the absolute joy of the resurrection. I read a story of a, a man this week who said after he became a Christian, he wanted to read to his children every night, and he didn't know what to read. And he said, as a young Christian, someone said, why don't you read to them the Chronicles of Narnia? Never having read them at all, he began to read them. And he got near the end of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And for those of you who are familiar with the Chronicles, you'll know that Aslan the Lion, which is a representative of a Christ figure, Aslan the Lion walks very slowly and deliberately and very tired to his death. He walks to a very large slab stone. He crawls up on the stone. And the minions of the evil kingdom and the wicked witch raise a knife and put him to death. And two little girls are back in the bushes watching the event and sobbing quietly in fear. He said, when I read that story to my girls, they were young at the time. And they had been enwrapped by Aslan and the children. And when they got to that point, they just began to sob. Aslan is dead. Aslan is dead. And like any good father, he put him to bed. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the end of the story, right? You don't want to ruin it. And the next evening, he read the rest of the story where it says, Death began to work backwards. And Aslan rose off of that stone and conquered the castle of evil. Part of the story is that when Aslan rose off the stone, the little girls who were in the bushes were so delighted that they ran out and started leaping with joy and dancing around and rolling in the meadow grass with Aslan the giant lion. They couldn't help themselves. They danced and leaped and shouted for joy because Aslan was alive. My friends, Friday night, on Good Friday, we walked through the somber reality of the death of the Son of God. And today on Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord.
In a moment, we're going to end our worship service with the Hallelujah Chorus. It's better than any sermon you've ever heard. And you're invited to sing along if you wish. But I wonder, I wonder if your hearts are delighted by what you've heard. If maybe you want to just kind of dance and skip your way out of the sanctuary. I think if some of you did that, you might fall down, so leave it to others. But it would be a celebration worthy of the resurrection, wouldn't it? Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again.